Welcome to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. Let's pick up where we left off. We're at the book of Exodus. That's the second book in the Bible in the Old Testament. So as always, it's not going to be, well not as always, but it's not going to be any teachings of Jesus because it's the Old Testament and none of these will be red letters. So keep that in mind if you are a Christian. Um, but we'll focus on it just so we get an understanding, better understanding of why we as Christians should focus on what it is Jesus has to say and understand that the whole Bible is not Christianity, only a tenth of it, a tithe of it, just those six books. So without further ado, we're in the um, Exodus second book and it's um, chapter 33 and we're going to begin now with verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. So notice what's being, what's happening here. Like we said before, it seems to be um, people having direct contact with uh, the Lord. We'll just call it the Lord since that's how it's identified here, whether you believe it's the Lord or not. Um, and I say that because if you've read with me before, you know in the New Testament, it says that uh, no one's seen God at any time. You can search that yourself and see. I'm not lying to you. And you can see what Jesus even says in the New Testament when he's confronted with the uh, religious leaders of that time. And remember, that's thousands of years after this. Uh, is this narrative is taking place he tells them they've not seen God or heard seen his form or heard his voice and that's what he tells them so if you want to believe the Old Testament and the New if you're a Christian lean on what Jesus says Jesus says that they hadn't seen God's form or heard his voice so whoever it is Moses is interacting with at this time and believe what you want I'll just leave it at that but you have now the Lord even directing Moses saying it's Mo Moses who brought the people out of the land of Egypt almost like he's disowning them and it's probably because uh, they don't seem very faithful even though they've seen the different signs and wonders of being rescued from slavery and uh, very quickly turning aside from faithfulness to the one who rescued him. Verse 2, And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. So, notice angel there is capitalized, so it's it's um, seems to be uh, uh, the Lord saying that a divine presence will travel with them, uh, an emissary, as it were, of God to lead them along the way and displace all those people. That's all those um, zites, ites that we mentioned, uh, we, we just heard about, are the inhabitants of the area of the land where they're going to possess. In modern day Palestine slash Israel slash the Holy Land. Um, verse 3 Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So, here it seems that the Lord is has not been um, interacting with them directly in their midst, as in, in uh, uh, walking along with them physically, but still keeping an eye on them um, in some sort of... Um, big picture way like we've talked about a bunch of times um but here is letting them know this is what pointing to what we're what's called the promised land the land that um was um uh, 
promised to or told to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the forefathers of these same people of this religion, that you that they um that they will be um there to possess it. Uh, so, but it came with um some contingencies. But here they're getting the order to go up to that land. Let's see. And but also being told they'll have a guide along the way. Verse 4. And when the people heard the bad news, they mourned and no one put on his ornaments. So I get, I'm not sure how they heard the bad news since Moses at this time is still up. Well, he's not on the mountain at this point. He went down. This is after he went up the mountain, was there 40 days, and it, according to the narrative, interacted with the Lord and got the commandments, the Ten Commandments for the people. But when he returned to the people after that time, the people sort of lost faith and began to wander and stray because they didn't know what happened to Moses. And so they decided to start worshiping uh, something else. They cast a god up for themselves of gold and the form of a cow, of all things, a baby cow, a calf, and they decided that that's who they're going to give credit with um, for rescuing them from slavery and leading them uh, out of Africa, out of Egypt, where they were slaves. I'm not sure why they chose a cow, but that's what they chose, and that's where we're at now, where they were condemned for that, and um, a slaughter happened, and it, according to the narrative, it's Moses who told who ordered the slaughter, not the Lord, but uh, Moses who told the people to go out and slay their brethren who were unfaithful. Um, that was in the previous reading. So now the people are, you know, they're kind of down about hearing the news that they've displeased the uh, the Lord and that He's not gonna walk along with them, even though. He didn't. I guess the physical form that the Lord took at this point in the in Exodus was in the pillar of fire to lead them at night, so that they didn't have to walk around in the dark, and a pillar of cloud during the day, so that the heat wouldn't kill them. Uh, verse five: For the Lord had said to Moses, "Say to the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I could come up into your midst in one moment and consume you. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do to you." So, apparently, the ornaments, like earrings, necklaces, jewelry, that sort of stuff, it seems, um, ticks the Lord off. And probably because they use that, they uh, use their earrings, they chipped in all their earrings, the men and the women, to form uh, that cow that I was just telling you about. So, um, maybe that's why the ornaments are so offensive to the Lord, but... Whatever the case may be, they're told to take all of that off, all the finery, take all of that off, um, probably to debase them again, to remind them that just not that long ago, you were slaves and you were rescued from that, but now you've got all the gold and stuff and uh, forgotten the Lord. So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by Mount Horeb. So that's where they are if you want to look at like an Old Testament map online, you can see what part of the world this is taking place in. But at least the people at this point, they're probably kind of scared. So they've stripped themselves of their ornaments and they've been humbled by the slaughter, I would imagine. So now they're sort of turned back to being faithful, uh, at least for the moment. Verse 7, Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp. 
and called it the Tabernacle of Meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meeting, which was outside the camp. So um, Moses sort of separated himself from the people, and the Tabernacle of Meeting would be like our modern-day church or synagogue or temple. That's where the people were meeting, and they're on the move. That's how come it's not a building, it's a tent. They're out in the wilderness. Um, and so that's where Moses was. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. So at least in that sense, the people were faithful to that, to know that, okay, Moses is going up to hang out with the Lord. He's going up to go see what's next for us to get the message from the Lord and see what's going on. So it seems they were reverent at, at, at to this point to all with one accord, go to their doors, pay homage and respect to um, the mission that Moses is going on and going to interact with the Lord while he goes on his way. Verse 9, And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. So that's the pillar I was talking about. You could imagine that, a column of smoke-like smoke, smoke -like clouds um, lowering down from heaven to that tabernacle. So it seems like something that um, supernatural would be enough to convince a lot of people that Clearly something is going on here. Obviously, there's some interaction with some power greater than human power. Something is going on for as soon as he goes to the tent, a pillar to appear and he gets messages from above. And if you've seen the show Ancient Aliens like I've talked about before, many of them, they theorize, people theorize that it's actually UFOs that Moses might have been interacting with. And, I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but when you consider what I've already said, what the New Testament itself says, that people have not seen God at any time, heard his voice, or seen his form, it does kind of make sense that whatever they're interacting with does have uh, foresight into where they're going, what they're doing, and what ways they should go, and has a divine purpose, it seems, or at least a holy intent that they should be faithful but um, it also has a physical appearance with that pillar of um, cloud and fire to be when the Lord's presence is near to them. Uh, verse 10, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So I could imagine people would be faithful to their um to their uh to the belief system to know that well he's not just going there talking to himself he's not just praying to himself because whenever he goes there that's when that pillar appears so it, it would make it it would i would think it would help um reassure your faith to know that as soon as someone you're the the preacher leading you goes to the holy place there's an appearance like that i mean that would be something that would move a whole lot of people, I would think, to believe. Verse 11, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So again, it's saying here face to face. But then as you keep reading, as we keep reading, God willing, you'll see that 
um, it's going to say that Moses doesn't see God face to face, but he, he'll see his form or he'll see um, uh, his back, but he won't actually see him face to face. Here it's saying face to face. So it's just another biblical contradiction um, that occurs. And, um, and I mean, it makes it hard to understand which one is true. Is he seeing him face to face and talking to him like you would your friend? Or is it more than likely, is it the angel that it says that the Lord would send before them that Moses is interacting with? And to me, that's like the only way I could possibly reconcile it as being, uh, reconcile the two as being true. That it's not the Lord he's interacting with, but instead it's the angel of the Lord, the emissary that the Lord sends to interact with Moses and, and for whatever reason uses that pillar of cloud to either travel there or just appear there so that everyone knows that that's what's up, that's what's happening. And here also we see the introduction of, again, uh, um, not first time mentioning Joshua, but um, Joshua being mentioned again because after the first five books that are called the book of, books of Moses, um, Joshua is the next book that gets introduced in the Bible, and it's that Joshua that it's referring to. Verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet, yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. So that Moses is asking the Lord, well, you say I'm special to you. You say that um, I'm the one that you've chosen to guide these people. He's like, but yet you've not really shown me much more than that. He's asking basically for some reassurance, even though he's the one getting these interactions with uh, with the entity in the pillar of cloud. Verse 13, now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. So now Moses is like turning it back on the Lord because you saw how the Lord said it's your people that you brought out of the land of Egypt and all of that. But now Moses is letting him know, no, 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 these are your people. You're the one who sent me to go rescue these people from slavery and guide them through the wilderness. So it's like he's saying, don't put it on me. I'm just the man. Put it here. You're the one that's done all this. It's and if I've really found grace in your sight, if I've really pleased you along the way, then do me a favor and help me out. Give me some reassurance. Verse 14, and he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So even though it, Moses just said that uh he's saying, Show me your way. How much more does he need to see? He's appearing to him in this pillar of cloud and talking with him face to face according to the narrative. But that's not enough. He really wants, I guess, some more assurance that God's going to be with him. And it's not just going to be a constant struggle as they go through the wilderness. And the Lord reassures him and says um, that his presence will go with you. And presence is capitalized again there. So it's... I think what it's it must be it must be pointing to that angel that's been sort of assigned to them to be with them and guide them along the way. <clears throat> Excuse me, in this portion of the big picture as they wander through the wilderness. 
Verse 15, then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. So Moses is like, look, I need you to be here with us and steady and solid to let us know we're not just wandering around going nowhere. And he's saying, if you aren't going to be the one that goes with us, then don't bother to bring us up out of here. Just He's like, he's saying it's enough is enough. If you're not going to be guiding us and sticking with us through all of this, then what's the point? Verse 16, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except that you go with us, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So he's saying, Moses is telling the Lord, look, we need your presence to be with us, to go with us. You rescued us from that slavery and all, but we need you to go ahead and stay with us the whole time and stick with us all the way. Uh, so that the world may know that you are are actually with us and that we're not just wandering on, on our own. Verse 17, so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you've spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know, you're, and I know you by name. So, I mean, that's got to be reassuring that everyone's just not ants on the planet to the Lord, but he, Moses, Moses has... Um, Impress the Lord enough that he's letting him know, I do know you by name, and I am going to go with you, and I am going to do what you ask me to. Verse 18, and he said, please show me your glory. So now, again, it, it doesn't seem like it's enough for him to see all the pillar of cloud and get the appearances whenever he goes there in the tabernacle. And it wasn't enough to see all the miracles and wonders getting rescued from the slavery and it wasn't enough to see the water of the red sea getting parted for them to escape from the slavery now moses needs some more assurance that he wants to actually see god's glory verse 19 then he said i will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim the name of the lord before you i'll be gracious to whom i will be gracious and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion so that seems kind of um that doesn't seem like uh like the same lord we read about in the new testament that lets the rain and sun let lets the sunshine on the evil and on the just and sends rain on the wicked and on the good that basically sees everyone at the same and equal but instead this seems to be a lord who is partial to whoever the lord chooses to be partial to which makes me think again that this isn't the Lord God Almighty that he's uh, that he's interacting with and that the people are um are seeing I mean it seems it must be something divine and a supernatural entity traveling with them but would the Lord God Almighty have favorites I mean the way it's that reads he does or God does and chooses who he chooses and that's who he's going to be good to good to who he wants to and compassionate to who he wants to and, you know, if you're not in that group, I guess you're just not in that group. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. So then that contradicts what we just read. That he, We just read at the opening of this chapter that Moses is talking with the Lord face to face as a man talks to his friend face to face. So how can it be here where he's saying you won't see my face? You cannot see my face. And if you do see my face, you won't live. So... It's a contradiction. I don't know how you can square that circle, but uh, it's what it says that you can't see his face, even though, like I said, it just said he is talking to him face to face. 
So possibly again, the only way I can that would make sense is if what he's interacting with again is that angel, not the actual uh, Lord God Almighty, uh, but instead the inner, the middleman who's delivering the message um, to Moses and to humanity, while not actually in God's presence physically. I mean that's, or and I know this will really sound crazy, it could be technology it could be a gadget that is interacting with Moses like he's hearing it through a speaker seeing it on some sort of screen or um like facetiming somehow and getting uh having contact the message sent that way and I know that sounds crazy um but that it'd be another way that it would make sense and we were I was thinking about this with our Saturday night reading where we were in the gospels um where Jesus talks about asking you shall receive for everyone who asks receives you know saying how it, we may not perceive that we receive it because it may be happening in a different dimension another way that that can make sense in practical terms and take religion out of it altogether is that you can be in two places at the same time through technology like you may be here right where you are but you can facetime and someone else can be interacting with you or you know i use facetime but I'm saying web webcam, however you're doing it, you can be interacting with someone else, somewhere else, completely different, somewhere, someplace else in the world, and still actually be there with them, but you're not. So you're in two places at the same time, um, in that sense. So it's not all pie in the sky, supernatural things. Some of it, techno, techno, technologically, is possible to be in two places at one time. So it doesn't take different dimensions at all. It just takes a gadget. So possibly that's how some of this is being pulled off or how some of it unfolds. Um, and we just don't quite understand it because it's not that detailed in, the, in its explanation. Um, so just keep that in mind. Verse 21, And the Lord said, Here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So now, um, it seems the Lord's presence physically is with him because he's telling him this is by me um, and he's telling him where to be um, specifically verse 22 so it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I and will cover you with my hand while I pass by so uh, like I said, it said face to face at the beginning of this chapter, but now it seems it's not face to face, but there's some sort of um some sort of um something there, an abyss of separation, some sort of wall between the actual physical presence of God and the spiritual presence. So he's getting the message like you would get the message on the phone but without the person actually being there. But you're still getting their presence, you're still getting their real-time messages, and you're still interacting, but the person's not actually physically there with you. And that's without religion. But it seems something like that must be what's happening here. Even on, like I said, I know it may sound crazy, because technolo technology seems like it's only a modern thing. But if you consider that the world, according to science, is... Uh, millions of years old a civilization is tens of thousands of years old it's entirely possible that technology has arisen before 
existed and been wiped out probably by man's own wickedness you know like through war wars and um and killing each other and that sort of thing that it was wiped out and forgotten and then a whole nother civilization another generation rises and stumbles upon or recreates the same things and they seem brand new to us but like proverbs says there's actually nothing new under the sun stuff is just forgotten from before because it was it's old but it resurfaces again um so maybe that's what's happening maybe he's interacting with some technology that we just don't understand because it's not spelled out specifically but now he's telling him he's the lord is giving moses a command that he, he'll give him a spot near the rock where to post himself up and that his hand will cover um will cover um uh, he'll use his hand to cover himself and while he passes by and i think when it says hand it doesn't necessarily mean his physical hand but the hand of god in motion as in um using his force to um cover and pass by uh, verse 23 then i will take away my hand and you shall see my back and but my face shall not be seen so for whatever reason god's face the lord's face is still being concealed from mankind so in that sense i guess that would be one way it would um make the new testament statements that no one has seen god at any time be true they may have seen god's presence they may have seen god's back as it says here but seeing god's face is not um what moses is going to experience even though like i said we just read that he talks to him face to face um so if you can make sense of that, make sense of that. That's the best way I can make sense of it. Um, but that actually ends this chapter. As always, I appreciate you checking it out with me and hope it was a blessing for you. It's Monday, so that's why we're in the Old Testament. Um, and we focus on the Old Testament on Mondays and Wednesdays and save the Gospels, the things Jesus has to say, in other words, on our Saturday night readings. Um you can see or hear those past readings on this platform while they last or if you're an adult you can go to my website it's hungtgirl.com and see the readings hear them there read with me there uh on the with the links body mind spirit and soul with specifically the spirit and soul pages focusing on these red letters of what it is jesus has to say um because i self-identify as a christian so I try to use Jesus' words as my guiding star, as my map, as my compass to get to the promised land for us Christians, to the holy land on high, as it were. Um, you can get a membership there, you can make a donation, or you can enjoy, just enjoy the free content by clicking the pictures and clicking the links. Um, I appreciate all of the above, and thank you for all of the above. God bless you for all of the above. Stay safe and... God willing, I'll see you again. Thanks again. Peace to you.